hello and welcome to episode 84 of the 1099 for the week of March 20th, 2017. I am your host, as always, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is a freelance writer for Paste, PC Gamer, Bullet Points Monthly, and probably like 800 other places, but I didn't want to go on forever about it. Reed McCarter, Reed, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you about this. Yeah, this is uh, this will be an interesting podcast. So recently, uh, as a lot of people know, I did an episode with Tevis Thompson where we kind of went in depth on games criticism and argued a lot and had a lot of interesting conversation that people really seem to enjoy. And it's, I mean, it's something I talk constantly about on this podcast is how we talk about games, how we review games, you know, the ways you tackle criticism. And uh, you wrote a really strong Ghost Recon Ghost Recon Wildlands review for Paste uh, Games, which Paste is one of my favorite sites. It's one of the best places for just smart, interesting criticism and for articles you wouldn't really get anywhere else on bigger sites. Uh, and I kind of want to use Ghost Recon as a jumping off point for the conversation today because one, like I said, I think it's a really great review. And two, I think there's two entirely valid but diametrically opposed ways of reviewing a game like this, reviewing a game like Ghost Recon that on the one hand has this really awful dialogue and story and this this is core where they're like joking about waterboarding at times and then the next frame they're saying shitballs and it doesn't really know what it wants to be uh but it's also this kind of fun you know i hate the word bombastic i guess but like you know there's a lot of explosions there's a lot of driving cars off the side of mountains and if you get three friends there's something special about this game uh so to start let me kind of frame this how did you play the game was it mostly alone did you play co-op a lot of people did you find randos what was your kind of reviewing strategy for this well yeah because i was reviewing it and i'm sure this will be very familiar to you uh trying to get through an enormous game in a sort of tight amount of time uh i played it mostly alone just because in, in this game i think the multiplayer stuff uh, is less reliable than using the AI to, you know, it's it's predictable and you can mark these targets and you know what your little computer guys are gonna do. Uh, mm -hmm. When you play it online, it's kind of I wasn't really getting uh, much of anywhere with it. Um, so I played I played the bulk of it alone, um, and then sort of two days before I wrote the review, I kept hopping in games with other people and played with some random people and played with people I know and, you know, just kind of messed around and did side stuff or tried to do actual missions to just sort of, you know, get a feel for, for how that worked. This feels like one of those games that if I wasn't <laughs> playing with people, I wouldn't play it. Like, there's definitely, yeah. I think you're right about the reliability of your AI at times is almost silly. Like, they'll be, they could basically be a mile away and then you do a sync shot and they still shoot the dude. And you're yeah. like, how the actual fuck did you just do that? Uh, but the way um, they're professional again, I'm <laughs> they're very, you know, they're they're ghosts. They're they're ghost recons. Uh, right. And I'm playing with the exact same group that I played Overwatch for 250 hours with. And the way I've always said it as I'm talking to them is like this game. Sometimes we try to go in stealthy and it's fun. But I think that game is the most fun when shit goes wrong. When suddenly someone made a mistake with the helicopter and now we're seen and now we're like parachuting out and. You mentioned you mention in your review the, the tiring mission structure, which I do agree with. I'm, I'm not done with the game. I'm probably like 12 hours in, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. And there are a lot of missions where I'm like, God, this again. But for me, here's where Wildlands is different from, let's say, The Division, which I also played the entirety of. Uh, because I play with these three friends, and because there are enough interesting guns 
fun vehicles, especially like the sports car that goes almost too fast for its own good. Um, there's different ways to handle any given situation. Each new attack on an outpost or each new mission where we're trying to get information from someone kind of takes on its own unique like adventure for us. There's always There was this one in this boathouse where I think we had to set like grenades up or like I think we need to set C4 then run to a helicopter and get away mm-hmm. and like someone just entirely fucked up and didn't realize that we had already set the bomb so they're still back there and we're like what are you doing get to the helicopter and it becomes this crazy situation um so for you how do you balance judging a game's mission design versus the freedom it gives you to tackle it or the tools at your disposal did you find yourself dealing with missions in different ways or did you kind of figure out well this works best i'm just going to keep doing this yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, even though I'm saying I'm, I'm trying to get through it uh, on a limited amount of time, and uh, you know, on on my own, my own volition, I would have either not played a lot of this game or played it over, you know, a couple months or something. Um, but but even saying that, I I think no matter what kind of review you're writing, it's always good to, you know, take the game a at face value and uh, mm. you know let it be whatever it wants to be and figure out what it is from there. Uh, and B, you know, poke around at it and see what it does when you do different things to it. Um, so I I kind of started at the beginning, you know, playing a certain way, trying to be stealthy and everything. And then, you know, messed around with just like <laughs> landing a helicopter right next to, you know, a person that you have to extract. Uh, <laughs> just like, you know, getting shot immediately by 20 dudes and and letting my guys revive me and just, you know, playing like a complete idiot um, and and messing around with different things. Um, so I don't know. Like, I, I do try to to try different things going through it because I do think that's important because, you know, if, if a game is saying... Um, if you're saying that the, the value of, of something like Wildlands lies in... The way its missions are structured and, and the sort of the freeform way that you can approach things, then you know you have to take that that's what the game wants to, you know that's what that's what it's stressing, and so you do have to take that in good faith and, and yeah. poke around at it and see, you know, get your own opinions of it that way. Yeah, we the current group I'm rolling with, we have this strategy, you know, quote unquote strategy where we've been um going to like usually the major kind of go kill the specific guy and it's just surrounded by snipers and just 18 layers of defense we'll take a helicopter and go as high as you can which turns out to be right around 3.7 or 3.8 kilometers in the air with the helicopter um and then just yeah it goes really high uh (laughs) and then we'll just like yeah and uh we'll have the the pilot stay in for a second because second he leaves the entire helicopter starts spinning we'll have three of us just jump down and parachute and we'll pick a spot to get to and then he'll jump out and follow us and we're just going like what feels like 800 miles an hour straight down into it. And I remember this one that we got to where everyone landed in the right spot except for me. And I've landed in what ended up being a caged area where I couldn't get out of it. So I had to <laughs> kill myself with a grenade and then respawn. And it was, it was silly and like, oh, God damn it, I can't get out of this. But it was also my own fault because it was a caged area where I'm like, wait, they would never think to drop anyone in here, right? And then I dropped into there. So there's... It sounds crazy to say, like, oh, we're kind of making our own fun, because the game is giving you the tools to make the fun, but I think if you did play this game straight-laced, and you kind of played it, like, uh, like kind of how it's asking you to play, and not like a crazy person, it wouldn't be that fun, and you mentioned before, you know, you kind of take what the game is saying, and speaking of what the game is saying, how the actual hell did Wildlands writing make it through 
editors through different people and they said no that's good like that's I, I this, this writing this dialogue is great because by the time these these ghosts were there's this time where they're almost joking about waterboarding and then they kept saying shit balls over and over which is like even lamer than like 16 year old chatter at like a slumber party like it was really <sighs> terrible so like by the, like the third time i heard that i just wanted to mute it i i how did it happen i i don't know like i can't you know i can't and i and i won't with uh, writing any kind of review or or article or anything try to speculate about how something was made i mean mm-hmm. on a on a podcast or whatever yeah it's fun to and try to think about how it happened but like it's it's tough without you know having been there or having talked to someone who was who was a part of it and can tell you about how it came together but I honestly think in this, I don't know, it sounds like such a mean thing to say, but I don't think they, uh, I'm trying to think of the right way to, to put this, <laughs> but it almost seems like sometimes the bar with this kind of stuff is is pretty low and yeah. has historically in games not been addressed fully. Uh, I think it's, it's really heartening to see that I, I think people are, are saying no this this isn't okay a lot more now um they're being more aware of it but i think a lot of times you had sort of the traditional uh review structure where maybe you're saying well this story is just bad you know and you're you're kind of leaving it at that um and it's one part of the greater whole um there's not necessarily a look at the implications of of how that story manifests in the moment to moment play yeah um and so i wonder if Sometimes it's just a, a process of, you know, it's good enough. Uh, put it God. out there, and does it even and, cross that like that benchmark of it's good enough? Like it's, it's one I, of the I things that stuck so. out to me the most in terms of how bad it is. Where like every time someone talks in that game, I'm like, how, the, how the hell? Like how did you actually think this was good or at least passable? Yeah. Like, how did this make it out into the open? Well, I mean, it's it's interesting too because a lot of the times if you have, um some of the the worst writing that you come across in games um might not be great but it's at least written competently and performed competently mm-hmm. um so so it's like you know you uh you see something like I'm just trying to think of something off the top of my head but uh you know Battlefield Hardline is is a yeah. game that I think is is very bad um but the dialogue is is fine you know for the most part it's it sounds natural and the actors are good uh, and it's directed well. Um, but yeah, Wildlands has this thing where it's just, you know, even the, even the voice actors just don't sound like they really got much direction <laughs> in, in a way that you don't really see anymore in games. Right. I think, yeah, I think there's been that, that bar has been raised high enough that there's some competence in, in directing and voice acting and that's become more, expected that it's going to be at least you know the level of an okay movie i would almost rather have like the really terrible e3 actors who are pretending to do like multiplayer lingo during big (laughs) shows like all right i got eyes on him shoot like i would almost rather have that than what's really in the game and maybe the actors were not very passionate about it because they read the script and they're like really like you want me to keep saying cocaine over and over again like all right (laughs) i'll I'll give it my best uh 
But here's the big thing. Like, I think you're spot on with your representation of the story and your review because you say that it turns the suffering of the people who right now live under vicious cartels into a playground for a forgettable sandbox shooter. And it does, and it's bad. Like, that representation is bad it paired with the awful dialogue. But and this is something we talked about a little bit before we started recording. I ignored the story so hard. And since I was you know, constantly talking over a mic with these three friends, and I still continue to do, I'll probably play the game tonight. I, yes, I did hear the stupid dialogue, but I rarely heard it. And mm-hmm. it's weird to say, like, I think this game would be better if it didn't even attempt to have a story, if it was just scenarios in maybe a non-named place where you're just taking out bases and stuff like that or trying to capture people and stuff. That actually might be better. So for you, can even smart, varied mission design and better character progression have overcome such a shitty story like can you overcome a story this bad in a game i i mean and this this is very much how how i approach uh reviewing games and writing about games is i would say no because Mm -hmm. uh, i I, i'm always hesitant to say this is the way it ought to be done um just because it's the way that that i think about games and, and look at games and play games um but I would I would say no, you know, if even if this game was more sort of accomplished and was a lot more engaging throughout the entire thing, I think you still have what it's saying at its base level that is um, difficult to get away from. Um, which is which is not to say that you you can't look at everything else about the game and you can't say, well, you know, I'm having a good enough time with this and this and this. Um, I'm trying to think of the right way to put it, but it's it's just the what the game is saying on a moment to moment basis. The the people you're shooting, the country you're in, uh the sort of greater, you know, political and cultural context of this game. Um it's it's inescapable to me. You know, it I, I'm mm-hmm. not exaggerating saying that I felt very uncomfortable, you know, I'd finished playing for however long and it just kind of gave me a, a sick feeling you know like it's um yeah it's it's a work that is repugnant to me uh just my own view of the world my own view of of the war on drugs you know which is something i think is uh one of the, one of the great you know mistakes of the 20th century that we have just ingested into our culture and it's become a normal thing the way that we think about addicts and you know, drug violence and blah, blah, blah. Just all of that stuff just swirls around in my head when I play it. And I can't, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can't not think of that. Um, I, I don't know if that's too much of a tangent from. No, it but... isn't. And I, it will actually kind of leads me perfectly. Do you think a review that tackles this game should be called out if it doesn't even address how almost offensively bad these, this is represented this, 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 the war on drugs, the story of the dialogue. Do you think, that you mentioned about like kind of willfully ignoring it like in a review that's supposed to be a critical approach to a game like this do you think if the reviewer doesn't even mention that we should question that review again this is you know i have a hard time always saying this is how reviews should be done um Mm -hmm. there there's a way i believe that they should be done you know if i was an editor at a place i would i would not be happy with the review that was filed in that way, um, unless uh, unless the the writer had very good reasons behind why they didn't care 
and and that was the focus of their review but i you know i think it is we we've had game reviews for so long that have been very sort of product oriented um which is fine but it's outsized um you know fun factor and replay value and and things like that and reviewers tilt (laughs) yes reviewers tilt uh Reviewer's tilt is actually probably a better idea than it sounds like when you just say it, right? Yeah, I know. It's like that's not the worst. It's just Scott. It sounds so silly. It's it's really bizarre. Like trying to quantify your opinion, but isn't the whole thing your opinion? I I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, my outlook. I I think we need more reviews that are that are going to engage with with uh, the game as a as a whole, um, as I think this is probably something I got from uh, when I was writing for Killscreen for a while. The One of the editorial things was sort of about picking a game up and sort of turning it around in your hands. Like, what is the game as a cultural object? What is it as a, as a total thing, not just one interaction or one story beat? Um, and that approach is, is very much how I think about things. Um, so, yeah, I think there have been... I think there have been for too long too many game reviews that are just sort of technical and and sort of product oriented which again is fine but i i think there's a minority of of reviews that are are placing a game in the context of the societies that the writer lives in and the world that they live in um and to me that's necessary if you want uh games to i don't know to say much of anything then they have to be put in context with uh with everything else. I don't know, that's kind of a long meandering. No, I <laughs> I fully agree with you. It, it's something I always struggle with cuz like you, it's I'm not one of those like all right, this is the right way of doing things and this is the wrong way of doing things because I think there are many valid ways to review a game. I think you can take the the route you did with Ghost Recon or um Battlefield. I think it was what was that awful one? Battlefield oh, uh, Hardline Hardline, I kept thinking hardcore. I'm like, that sounds like that's a weird Battlefield that, porn game. But like, that would have been a better name. <laughs> Battlefield hardcore, been way better. <laughs> Battlefield Hardline. Uh, when uh, Austin Walker reviewed it and took a really interesting, I think that was a pace again, a pace magazine yeah, one, I think uh, so. stance on that. Um, uh, or you can review a game product focus, which I still think is less interesting to me, but still totally valid for the person who is just like you know quote-unquote casual and it's like is this game going to be what i like and if they can put it in that way and i think they're like the enthusiast kind of websites sometimes do that um GameSpot for a while i was really happy with the direction we were going when it was kevin van ord and there's a big group of us uh now i mean i still love those people but like it, it feels like kind of like it's skewing back toward product focus like with ign as well so i agree with you though i, I do think there's certain things it, it's hard to ignore that aspect of this game even if it doesn't bother Let's say it, it does bother me, but if it did, if it didn't bother me as much personally as it does you, mm-hmm. I still think I'd have to call it out and talk about it. Uh, can you think of an example of a war game that actually treats a foreign country with respect, unlike this game, like that didn't just use the setting as a playground for Americans to look like badasses and not care about all like the wanton destruction they leave behind? Are there any examples in your mind of games recently or before that you actually think handled this well that this game probably should have mirrored? I'm trying to think. I'm terrible of thinking of examples just like offhand if i'm ever writing something yeah. i always end up I mean, like what about combing through like steam spec and... ops the line and dubai had it was i mean it was interesting i don't remember i don't know if i'd call that respect at all these different points but i i was struggling to think of that too where i was going through ideas of like where's a war game where they actually 
really represented the country or the location they're at in a way that didn't just be like, oh, it's a cool setting to kill people. I think, uh, yeah, I'm trying to go through my head now some some of the stuff that uh, that worked, and I feel so bad that I'm like blanking. Um, no, it's fine. It's like it's it's it's. I don't think it's a very long list, and I think maybe yeah. us blanking is one because we're blanking, and two because well, there aren't like it's not a very long list. It's something we could do better at. Yeah, there aren't big noticeable examples that that pop out. Um, I I think games like uh, Spec Ops, the the problem that like some of the examples that I'm thinking of, I think the first Modern Warfare actually has a lot to say about you know mm. the Iraq War, um, and sort of like. Uh, Russian aggression and ascendancy, but it does it in such an oblique fantasy way that it it becomes way more toothless than it could have been. And I think Spec yeah. Ops kind of does that too by placing itself in Dubai, where um, you know isn't you know the most Pacific place in the entire world, but is is not you know it, it's not this uh, that game feels like it wants to be set in a war zone that exists right now, um, yeah, and it doesn't. Or just Vietnam itself, if it wants to, uh, yeah. <laughs> if it wants to go through that. But I don't know. There are there are some games out there, and I feel so bad that I'm blanking on it. You know, I I think a game like it's not necessarily a war game, but a game like Mafia Three understands its historical and geographical context. And I think um, there are a few like that that aren't quite war games. I think Red Dead Redemption understands. Oh yeah. Uh, the West fairly well, and and you know, is thinking about it and is thinking about what is uniquely American and uniquely Mexican kind of how they approach Mexico in that game is okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, a lot of times you see how games and you can't fault certain things when you're, when you're thinking of uh, where's an interesting place, you know, a place that's visually interesting and has interesting terrain for us to explore um, that, games would want to set themselves in those places but sometimes it doesn't feel like the thought came first of what country and culture and history makes sense for what we're doing you know i guess metal gear has been pretty good at that about it seems like they picked oh man that's not what i considered just because of the like the fantastical nature of it (laughs) yeah yeah no you're you're kind of right yeah like and that's the second one and the fifth one i think actually sort of and and the third one of course but kind of actually you know it's like, why put this here? And it's because, well, the historical context of these places actually matches what they're... <laughs> that's a low bar, right? But it matches what they're trying yeah. to explore with the story. Uh, so often, the, the AAA big-budget surrounding kind of aspect of that makes it so you, you need, at least in some publishers' minds, I think you need more explosions and more craziness. And when you try to pair big budgets and you know big action movie moments with a setting like that, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think they think like all right, we're going to choose this setting and we're going to build a game around it. I think they build the game and then kind of just plug in a setting that would be cool to do things in, which, uh, you know, that's one approach. And I do get it. Like, I understand why it would just be cool to see more games go into different areas that maybe we don't know that much about and not just make it this kind of insane battlefield and actually tell its real story. Yeah, I mean, I I think... Some some of the Assassin's Creed games have have worked that way, where they're trying to explore mm. issues related to a period of time. Um, some of them far far better than others. I think the last two, the French Revolution one and the um, Victorian England one, had 
just kind of set them there because why not? Because um, <laughs> they're like, this is interesting architecture. They didn't have much to say about those periods of time. Um, but those games have, have at times, I think Assassin's Creed 3 is underrated um, with, with what it was trying to say about North America and colonialism and you know the yeah. birth of America and all that heavy stuff. We just need some edutainment games. We need, we need some we need some history <laughs> games to help teach us things about different places we have no idea about. Like I don't know. Let's talk about. Well, why not though? Like, right? France in this century. I, well, I, if they're fun, or well, they don't have to be fun. That that goes back to my games don't have to be fun argument. Well, but like, but they can be. It depends on the budget. Yeah, you know, I mean, they can be. It, you it's... can add some fun to it. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the disappointing thing about you have an Assassin's Creed set during the French Revolution, and you think, there you go, like. You know, you have this formula that that works, um, that people enjoy, um, and the frustrating thing is, you know, there there must be people at Ubisoft Montreal and the other studios who do an incredible amount of research, you know, just raw, <laughs> like data collection. Yeah. Um, and and so they have all the pieces there where they're telling you lots of things, but they haven't contextualized it into something. You know, it doesn't say anything about the French Revolution. It shows no opinion. Uh, about mm-hmm. the various actors in it and and all of that. So I don't know. You can do that. I mean, film. How how much have you learned from film or books uh, while you're being entertained? Right. It's yeah. It's not impossible. Totally, it's not. I I do think if we're gonna find some of that, it will be more in indie games that don't have you know that massive fifty million dollar, sixty million dollar budget and can. They 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 maybe don't have as many risks they're taking with that. Um, yeah. But I do think there's there there's. I remember growing up, my dad always had this idea that like someday <laughs> we used to play like Math Blaster and stuff. And and I it, funny thing is when we I was homeschooled until eighth grade and to learn how to read. Uh, this is a real story. Uh, we would play. Me and my siblings would play The Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. <laughs> And uh, as we're playing it, we would go through that initial village, which like there's a whole bunch of people to talk to. And is it Kakariko? Coca- Kakariko Village? Is that right? That's that's probably that how to sounds right. That. Um, and we would uh, talk to everyone there and read the dialogue to my mom out loud uh, <laughs> to show that we were learning how to read and put together like words and yeah. sentences and stuff. And my dad would always talk about how he's like, someday there's going to be games where like this is the thing like you're going to learn from these games and you're not even really going to realize it because of the you know quote-unquote fun factor of it where you're actually enjoying it uh and i do think i'm not talking about you know making a next-gen math blaster even though if i kickstart <laughs> that I, I might get some money but I, I it's it's a lot about learning something you didn't know in a way that's interesting like the assassin's creed games but i think we can go even further and do the opposite of what ghost recon does where it you know it tells you maybe not the greatest story about something and doesn't really treat it with respect uh you you end your review with the assertion that it, the game's audience needs either needs either a willful ignorance of or a disturbing outlook on the world around them to be able to play wildlands without a deep sense of unease which you did mention you felt kind of gross as you were playing this game and i know you wrote it but i guess let me pose the question do you really think that's true because let's think about the person who buys this uh-huh. and i think I, by the sounds of it, it did well. So you think about the the Call of Duty person, the Battlefield person, who maybe all they get are sports and shooter games, which is a total totally valid way to play games. Uh, so they use this as more of a vehicle for after work cooperative sessions, kind of like I did. Again, I'm not turning my brain off entirely. I know yeah, yeah. that I don't. Aspects I don't like. Don't you think it's possible to treat it like that 
and not care and just have fun and they enjoy it. I think what I would say about that, because, you know, I, I do think about that and I think about, you know, just button through the dialogue scenes and, you know, maybe you just have the voice volume down and you're listening to music or you're talking to your friends. Mm. And the way I feel about that when it comes to um, any kind of criticism, you know, articles or reviews or whatever, is that it's kind of an out to to say, if I don't fully engage with this, then um, then it doesn't matter. Because I think you have to, you know, you have to. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I think if if you're if you're you know writing about it in some professional capacity, you have to uh, approach it as as taking in what it's saying. You know, I think mm-hmm. if I had reviewed the game and I said, you know, listen, I watched the first cutscene. I thought it was, you know, stupid, and then uh, there were some political implications in this game that I thought were really distasteful so I muted the TV and I just listened to music as I played through it um, and every time some story thing came up I just you know went and got a drink of water I, I don't think I think rightfully people would say well what are you talking about then like you didn't you didn't review it you know or you didn't you didn't uh, uh, take in everything it was saying um, so that's kind of I don't know that's that's kind of how I feel about it I don't that that last line is maybe mean um, to say, yeah. but I think you have to say it at some points when this this stuff that's being used as idle entertainment in that case. Which, and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not condemning everyone who's playing it. You're just playing it, right? But yeah. you're still playing this thing that's a fantasy of American spec op soldiers uh, covertly dismantling. And this story is so <laughs> covertly dismantling a Mexican cartel that has taken over Bolivia, right? So you're mm-hmm. enacting this this really bizarre imperialistic fantasy um, that just on a moment to moment basis you're you're killing these people um, as part of this larger narrative. So even if you're disengaged with it, you're still you're still interacting with it. Um, uh, interacting with just sort of what it is on a moment-to-moment basis. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers it. I, I, you know, it's I, a weird concept. It's also not so much a condemnation of of I bought this thing. I'm going to have some fun with it. I'm going to talk to my friends. It's more a condemnation of the idea that it's good enough to just be, um, to just be something that says some disturbing things and if if you don't interact with it it's okay you know is it yeah and this is also going to be a weird question because i know of course you want games to be successful you want the people to make games to you know get rewarded but is it almost a bummer to see i think this was the biggest launch of the year last time i checked is that kind of disheartening to a certain extent where a game that treats the setting in this way that phones in a lot of stuff and just goes kind of by the the regular triple a rubric does even better than let's say i think it did better than horizon zero dawn like stuff like that that actually takes risks uh-huh i mean i wasn't super hot on horizon either but, I, but, but I, <laughs> well i guess fill in the blank with the game that actually like went for something and achieved it i don't know i yeah i don't want to sound like a curmudgeon 
I like games. You just hate video games I, is what I'm really learning. That's I just hate them all. No, I want games to be good. I like good video games. I liked Yakuza 0 a lot this year. I think people should play that. Yeah, um, me too. As far as, uh, as far as like the sales success and everything, I don't know that I find it disheartening. I find it more disheartening when a critical um, reaction to something seems sort of thoughtless or dashed off. Um, yeah. Because I don't think... I think there needs to be a greater sense of responsibility of what criticism is in in games. I think it it's shit. I don't want to put my foot in my mouth here, but I I think oh do it controversy. I, I, I think there's been sort of too much just kind of not thinking about what we're playing and and just sort of assigning things based on that product mentality for too long. Yeah. Um. And and I think it it creates you know, it's criticism is responsible for what we have. Uh, I think criticism and and whatever the work is that it's looking at have a symbiotic relationship. I think um, games can improve with criticism, and criticism with more interesting games is more interesting criticism. Um, you know, it it's in every art form the the critic and the creator are working in tandem. I think in a certain sense, even if they try to shut themselves off. Uh, because criticism informs culture, informs mindsets. Um, so it doesn't disappoint me that people bought it. I mean, that's a marketing success, I guess. And, you know, good good for them. Um, yeah. But when you have something kind of dashed off that's, you know, 95%, like this game is huge and there's so much to do, 9 out of 10, I, I you know, I said before, I... I don't think that those are I'm not going to condemn every one of those but I do think it it shows a lack of deeper <laughs> this is this is yeah. so bad it, I don't want to sound like a condescending jerk you know but I think it shows You don't I get it there's you get in a certain mode when I was reviewing games for as long as I was I got in this mode myself and I'll totally cop to it where you start reviewing games as you think games should be reviewed you kind of go on autopilot and you're like all right What's the story like? Oh, story's pretty good. You, yeah. you you don't actually have a checklist at the end, but in your head you're going through your normal like, all right, graphics are good. This game feels good. On like opponent, all right, eight out of ten. And you don't really go deeper into the game and like, all right, why is this this way? You almost you're almost eating up the the marketing material and that preview cycle coverage of what the developers or publishers are telling you the game yeah. is, and then kind of pushing that into reality through your criticism instead of not just accepting everything that has been told to you and playing the game more from a clean slate and trying to figure out like why did this happen why is this happening instead of just being like all right well games are like this eight out of ten and i mean i i get it at a certain point uh (laughs) real talk it's there's not a lot of money to be made writing about games um and games are long and i i don't blame someone who well i blame them a little bit (laughs) but (laughs) but i i think you know you're you're getting paid maybe in some cases 50 bucks or 100 bucks to you know play 60 hours of something and write a review and maybe at a certain point you kind of wonder what's what's the point of of really trying to maybe do things that are think things that are difficult for you to express and um you know take a lot of mental energy and kind of wipe you out because it is harder to write things that especially the the climate that we we have in terms of how sometimes publishers react to a negative review or um or people 
you know, readers will sometimes just take out the pitchforks um, for whatever reason. Uh, it, yeah. it can be hard to, to know that maybe you're doing all of this and you're trying to think these things through and you're you're pushing yourself in terms of how well you can describe things and how well you can get at a core feeling that you had when you were playing the game and maybe having to do research outside of the game and at the end of the day you're not making much money and people are probably going to yell at you and so God, and so you like, kind of wonder like why not just just kind of freaking dash off the uh you know it looks great the music's yeah, good yeah it's it's the easier way to do it right and the god all the people who say like oh reviewers are paid off like if you think <laughs> about first off I, again i've written reviews oh geez it's probably been like for seven years or something like that i've written for just about every major website i've never been offered money i've never known anyone who's been offered extra money no. from publishers or anything like that and if you do like okay let's take and this is like for people who've never written a review let's say a jrpg that you play is 60 hours let's say you're doing a tales game like a tales of basari or something like that let's uh-huh. say if i'm reviewing that for GameSpot, i'm not calling anyone out like and I don't want to like give fees for everyone, but like bigger sites, usually it's like 200, 250 for reviews, like smaller sites, right. 50 to a hundred dollars. Like you said, if I am reviewing a game for a major site, that's 60 hours and I'm getting paid $200. That's like $3, $3 and a quarter an hour. Like uh-huh. you do not get paid a lot to do this. So, and I think that is when you get, there's a lot of factors that go into bad reviews. One is like you said, because you're not being paid that much and you're trying to like push through it you kind of just write what's expected of you. And there's also, there is that deadline always you're looking at. I've had major games like that I need to turn around review in f- five days. Yeah, uh, So you sucks. just got to like go right through it and immediately publish something. And it's, 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 even if it's been edited multiple times, it's still your brain's first draft of that opinion of that game where, and God damn it, I got to stop bringing up Nick Capazzoli so much, but the way he, um he, with his Patreon, the fact that he, reviews games long after release it gives him time to think about it and same with um god i cannot think of him right now the guy's name at uh, kotaku who I, whose reviews i really really like and i'm gonna feel so bad is it, is it kirk i don't uh basically he you could tell he's given time to kind of sit on the game and let his thoughts breathe for a bit and it leads right. to smarter criticism because it like you you're not just pushing out whatever your first thought is. So it's there's so many factors that go into why reviews, in my opinion, a lot of them are bad, uh, especially AAA reviews. And this is something I wanted to ask you. Do you think it's more difficult to write a AAA review, especially since, I mean, you're definitely expected to have that right at the embargo if you want maximum clicks. Do you think there's a built-in expectation, one, that it should get a 7 or above because it's AAA, and two, that like... Well, I think it... No, I was just going to say, I think it's actually more... You know, because that's another thing that they'll say is that um, you you scored this low because you wanted attention or you wanted, which is so ins- <sighs> insulting. Because I, I mean, one of the I don't things... want attention for my review. <laughs> What's that? that like you said, I don't want attention in that way for my review. Like no. you said, I've gotten some angry emails from developers and publishers who said I've you know ruined their Metacritic or I've like I know really hurt don't... their sales, and like I don't want to. I don't want that attention. No, and you're you're not trying to hurt people you're trying to do the thing of this was put out into the world i am offering my opinion of it you know in in order to hopefully help someone else maybe think about it in a different way or have something that they can enjoy reading or uh you know in some cases hey is this something i'm interested in experiencing for myself it's never about saying you know oh i'm gonna shake my fist at 
EA or Ubisoft or Sony or something. Like, no, who who cares? I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want, <laughs> I don't want someone to make mm. less money. No one's making enough money anymore. So, um, well, maybe that's a blanket statement. <laughs> I'm sure there are some people working in games who are doing quite well. Uh, but reviewing a, a you know a big AAA mainstream game, yeah, I think it's it's a little bit more insidious than than saying you know you want the clicks and you want it right away because I don't get anything for people reading something more. You know, as a freelancer, yeah. I'm not. Uh, I mean, it, it. I'm happier because I want more people to read it. Uh, I think I think every writer yeah. wants more. I think that's you know no matter how much of like a oh I don't care who reads my stuff like yeah you do if you're a writer you want yeah, I mean, to you know read your stuff and enjoy it yeah just even on the metric of I spent a lot of time making this I hope lots yeah. of people see it you know I I just hope that people totally. have read it um uh, but what was I gonna say but there's no financial incentive to to uh you know me giving something a lower score is actually a disincentive for me. Uh, it's it's one of those things where, you know, I, I gave Wildlands a four, and maybe I could have even been harsher on it in retrospect uh, with the number. But, you know, I, I did that at the end of the review after I finished reading it, and I, I thought, you know, you have this thought in the back of your mind for half a second of, do I want the horseshit that can potentially come from this? Because when you score something low, you're always kind of rolling the dice. Um the odds are a lot better if you're if you're a straight white guy, you know. To be completely honest, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, it, um, you're definitely getting hate, but not maybe at the same level of hate that someone else might get. Yeah, it's. I think it's it's you know, in in the vast majority of cases, it's not going to be uh, unmanageable. It's just going to kind of bum it, bum you out for a couple of days. It's weird with uh, Ghost Recon because the early reviews that came in, I think it was sitting around like an 87 on Metacritic. And since right. then, since the later reviews have come in, maybe the ones that aren't as worried about hitting a specific deadline or the embargo, it's down to like a 74 or something like that. Is it's it? really gone down significantly. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, do you think AAA reviews are often worse than reviews of indie games and games that might not have the pressure of reviewing them early? Do you think that rush to be first, especially we're about to get Mass Effect reviews probably tonight, and that's a big-ass game that I think sounds like you either have to kill yourself to finish it really quickly or maybe you're not even finishing it entirely before you write the review. Do you think that pressure to be first because people want to read those reviews, do you think that makes AAA video game reviews worse than most other reviews? I... No, I don't think I would say that. Okay. I don't think I would say that. I also think, I mean, when there was that that uh, announcement from, when was it, in the fall or something, when Bethesda was saying, uh, you know, from this point forward, uh, our review copies are going to go out, I think, 24 hours before oh, or yeah. something. Um, I mean, this is a huge topic because it also gets into how website editors and publishers feel about... Um, how reviews are, are published you know if if they can be if if a writer can can drop an email to an editor and say listen i would love to get it done for the embargo um but it's just too big and i don't think it's feasible can i have you know three more days to work through this and uh you know i think a good editor usually says sure you know i'd rather have rather wait a few days and and maybe not get quite as much traffic to my website um but have a better review that's going to stand the test of time, maybe. The Bethesda thing, I think some people were saying things like, 
well, this doesn't matter so much because what happens anyway is that uh, the the best things written about a game are written a month after or two months after, and I think that can be true sometimes, but I don't think I do kind of reject this idea that a shorter time frame necessarily has to mean a poorer review. Um, mm. I think it's always better to have more time, but I think you can do your thinking. Um, even if you finish playing the game, you've been playing it for three days and you have to write your piece and, you know, say you have six hours left to get it over before midnight or something. I think you can honestly take an hour to go for a walk and, and sort of, you know, do some thinking before you start writing. And maybe it wouldn't be quite exactly what you would say a week later, but it can still be very valuable. Um, I, I think the idea that well criticism, you know, is some special thing that that is almost held apart. Like, well, it needs more time. It needs more, you know, it's it's like a special hothouse flower that has to be has to be tended <laughs> just perfectly. I I think no. I think there. I think you can be workmanlike with criticism sometimes. I think you if you have your brain worrying and you're, you're thinking and you give yourself a bit of time before you start writing. Um, even, you know, something as small as an hour, two hours just to sit or walk around and just kind of let things percolate and decide upon this is what stuck out to me. This is what I want to get into. You know, I think it could be done on a tight deadline. Um, I really do. I think also writers, yeah. I don't know. You can't say some, general thing but i think a lot of writers do better with a tighter deadline because it yeah because it makes your brain i think it kind of focuses you it, it makes it so that you're thinking this maybe is unhealthy but you're thinking a lot almost obsessively about what you're about to write about um so it has a way of sort of working itself out in your head because uh, you yeah. know there's a limited amount of time the clock is ticking um, totally. I, I do think different people work better under different situations. Well, like, that's because the thing I, too, I went right? to No, say I, I went to school for journalism, so I you know, you learn how to write on a you know, really short time frame, you learn how to write on a deadline and for me that always you know, who knows? I, I never really took I never did the review a game way after it was released and spend time with it and then review it that way. So maybe that I would work better under that. But for me, I, I always thought most of my best reviews were when I was pushed to really go for it and I was still able to, like you said, maybe take a walk afterwards, stop and think about something more than just every critic can get lazy. And I, I, I do think that's a real thing where you, yeah. like we talked about earlier, where you just, you write what you think you should write about the game. You don't question things. You don't challenge things. And there goes your, you know, eight out of 10 triple A review that reads like every other review, which is, I don't know, I, I guess is fine to a certain extent, but I don't like to read <laughs> Again, I don't want to sound shitty to people. I don't like to read lazy criticism. Well, I don't like to read reviews where it sounded like it's like, oh, this is like just another reworked version of something I've read a billion times. Yeah, and I, I think a good motivating factor is when you don't have a lot of financial incentive necessarily, uh, you start to think more about, well, I want to be good at what I'm doing. You know, you, you want to write something that that people can enjoy reading. And so I think a big motivator to uh, toward being honest with yourself and, and doing the harder work is thinking you know boy if i read this in two years 
I hope I don't hate it entirely, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or even if you don't, yeah. even if you don't like the writing itself, the, the prose of it, at least you can say, well, I had, you know, I was being honest with what I thought about it and I was trying to uh, express that honesty so other people could, could get to it. Uh, no, totally. I, and I, I fully agree with that. And I, I, I look back on my time reviewing a GameSpot and I sometimes I get bummed out because I think, you know, I'm my own worst critic, of course, but I think uh, some of that stuff was well, well written and some of it I had interesting points, but I don't, I don't really have a review I look back on and I'm like, man, I really like, I'm proud of that. I tackled that in an interesting way and I really critically broke that down. I, a lot of it does read like, man, this is probably what I thought reviews should have read like, you know, when I was like 21 or 22 or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, that goes back into some of the the problems I have with the the fact that um, sort of the product review style is so prevalent is that it does um, it, it does become what's expected. It does if you're a new writer. I mean, I know when I was writing reviews for the the first long time, and I'm sure I still do it sometimes too. I think everybody does. You still have a bit of that model in your head. Um, of this is how reviews look for video games, um, and because so much of when you're writing is, uh, especially when you're new to something, is looking at what other people have done and saying, well, that's how you do it. So let's try to uh, be close to what has already been proven to work. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah, and so I think sometimes too. I I mean, it's inspiring when you're, uh, you know, when I was in university and then afterwards and and finding critics i liked and and reading their stuff is just uh you know you can read i don't know let's say salman rushdie on the wizard of oz and it's it's you don't have to have seen the wizard of oz or read salman rushdie otherwise and it's just good writing you know it's interesting and thought-provoking and i think that's sort of you know the kind of model that you want people looking toward and there's no reason you know obviously whatever there there's good critical writing out there now i just wish it was uh <laughs> i wish it was doing better i wish the people yeah i wish the people who were who were putting in that work were uh maybe editors and and senior writers and so forth no i i totally agree with that like a lot of it is kind of on the outskirts it's on the outside it's it's people who maybe aren't you know like you said like main editors or anything like that uh, but i'm happy that people do care and uh when i again when i released that tevis thompson podcast and it did as well as it did i'm like okay cool i'm glad i'm not the only one who like likes this kind of stuff mm-hmm. who wants to go on that second third level about a game other than just you know does the multiplayer work and you know are the guns cool um where you can actually go deeper and like you said you can read a review even if you didn't watch the movie or play the game and it's still interesting to you or uh, I use reviews as kind of supplemental material very often yeah. where I'll play a game and then read something um, afterward because like, oh, that's I didn't think about it that way. And even if I super disagree with it, I learn something. I get something out of it. And maybe I'll even appreciate the game more when I play it again. Or I, I've done that very often. Um, I still it's kind of weird. I, I use a lot of those like product focus enthusiast site reviews to figure out if I if I'm on the fence of the game if I want that game and then I'll get the game play it and then kind of pair my opinion with the deeper more critical uh like analysis reviews afterward it's kind of like a give and take I do with it which is maybe I just like reviews too much might be the problem but like that's it's kind of how I use that one especially if I'm really interested in the game like I just um 
I just beat Resident Evil 7, and I really just want to read more about it and what people thought about it, and yeah. I'm going to go do that next week, where I'm just like, I'm going to find reviews from people who no, I, love I that. really admire and I think are smart. Yeah, I, I love doing that, because it's, and, and I think that's one of the things that if you, if, if care is taking, you know, if you have writers writing reviews that are, uh, you know, sort of placing it within a cultural context or, or a wider context, then they kind of they're saying things that you're not maybe going to think when you're playing the game, you know, and you're having people Mm -hmm. of different backgrounds and different life experiences bringing their own context to the game. Um, And so you finish it and then, you know, okay, so I finished Resident Evil 7 and I thought it was scary and this was good and this was bad. And then I go and I read someone else and they're talking about how they grew up in rural Louisiana and something about the accents, you know, or, you know, Jed Presgrove, if you, uh, if you know him, who is always Mm -hmm. consistently uh, writes very interesting reviews, very concise and uh, often kind of against the grain, but I don't think, I think he just has a very particular taste uh, in games, but, you know, he kind of wrote about Resident Evil 7 uh, kind of demonizing rural Southerners in America and I thought, well, that's really interesting because, yeah. you know, I'm a Canadian and my view of the rural South is informed by blah, 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 by media and limited experience in the South. Um, but, you know, there he is and he's bringing his own perspective into it um, as someone who is from near where the game takes place. Uh, and that's something that'll last, you know. I, I can also, <laughs> before I played Resident Evil 7, actually, I, you know, rewatched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then I... <laughs> then I went on a big kick of reading essays, you know, uh, criticism about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's just, you know, fantastic. All the competing views and and people coming to it from different perspectives about, like, you know, industrialization in America and blah, 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 yeah. and Vietnam War and all these different things. And it holds up, you know, that's 2017. And that movie came out in, I think, the mid-70s. And those articles are just as interesting now as they were you know to someone who was thinking about whether or not to go see it when it came out um yeah again i'm rambling but yeah i no, it's i no i i appreciate it and like i i think the summary of a lot of this a lot of this conversation is good reviews are great and we need more <laughs> they of are them. and it'd be awesome if they were uh you know rewarded and not in like a you did a great review here's something but like you want to make sure those people are paid well and can keep doing what they're doing because right now reviewing games putting that much thought into it taking the time or just producing criticism that's interesting and different is kind of thankless and it also does not pay you very well so like there's no. not a lot of incentive to do it yeah i mean um, i i hate that i i love reviewing it's my my favorite way to write about most things actually uh i just like that it's sort of focused and and you know here's the thing this is what you're talking about um and try to offer some kind of opinion in it um yeah in some way there's just something about the format of you know a critical review that i really really enjoy and i wish i didn't because it's it's the it's <laughs> if, if you want to make money uh or or you want to i don't know it's it's the worst thing to like writing it's not about. A great avenue, and it also takes the most time out of most. Like well, some features take a really long time when you're interviewing people, but goddamn reviews also take way too long for what you're getting paid. Yeah, well, that's Which, what I mean, right? Is like just the it does it doesn't make sense economically as a writer uh, because the time you have to put no. into it is 
absurd. But man, it's I don't know. I like it. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. When I when this was mostly a uh, like kind of freelance guide podcast, I remember talking to Tom McShay and both of us came to the conclusion that you should just if you really want to make money as a freelancer, don't review video games. Oh yeah, it's like the worst avenue for that. It it like takes so much time and you, like the actual value for it. It's um, please write more reviews. Also, probably don't write reviews. <laughs> my real my real advice here. Yeah. Um. So. Read what this is your promotional minute. What are you working on now? Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? And I know you were just recently on Achievement Oriented, which uh, I've had Jason Concepcion on here before. He's an awesome guy. Yeah, uh, that is a podcast for the Ringer, and it's one of the biggest game podcasts right now. So, what is going on with you that you could talk about? Ah, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm, plug, I'm plugging <laughs> away, right? I'm a I'm a freelancer, so I'm you know it's it's like being a raccoon i'm just trawling the city all night looking for <laughs> looking for scraps that <laughs> to subsist on um so yeah i don't know i have a bunch of pitches out and everything and i'm writing about five different pieces at the same time oh, as always and uh but yeah the main stuff is it, it kind of filters through my twitter i'll always tweet out stuff i've written lately and that's at reed mccarter um and then the big thing is that uh, I do bullet points, which is there's bullet points, which is a podcast, uh, and then there's bullet points monthly where we take a single, usually newer game, um, and write weekly articles about it for one month. So we just wrapped up, or we're actually we're doing Ghost Recon Wildlands right now. Oh man! Yeah, it's been a lot of Wildlands <laughs> lately. Uh, <laughs> so we'll do I I. Uh, work on that site with uh ed smith who's another critic and patrick Lindsay also uh and so you know i'll write an article ed will patrick will and then usually we try to get a freelancer for the for the fourth week um and that's the big thing and we have a patreon which we can only you know speaking of speaking of there being no money in games uh (laughs) you can support that kind of stuff if you if you want to or share the link and that's um yeah, I don't know. That's my big thing right now. That's my my bedrock of, of kind of what I'm working on. All right, great. Well, thanks so much for doing this. I, I've i been not doing a lot of Games Criticism podcasts recently, and I needed to do one. And I was like, as soon as I'd read your review, I'm like, ah, I need to ask you this question. <laughs> like, we need to talk about this because there's a lot to dig in here just based off this one game. Uh, no, it is. Real quick. Uh, if you listen to this, or let's say the Vinny Caravella podcast, which, holy shit, that blew up way more than I ever thought it would. If you like any of the, these recent podcasts, please go to iTunes. Please rate. Please review. Say something great about it because that super helps people find the podcast. Um, I really appreciate all the support lately. It's been insane. Uh, next couple of weeks are Adam Sessler, uh, the writer for Mafia 3, and then some other surprises that I'm working out. So there's a lot of cool podcasts coming. Uh, and hopefully, Reed, we can do this again when you say you hate another AAA video hey. game. We can argue about it. Or, <laughs> or when I really like one that other people no i don't like those that's no that's not gonna get clicks if you give something like a nine and i'm like all right let's talk about this shit or whatever can you review mass effect and say it's like really terrible and give it a two and then i can have you back on yeah sure yeah but then no everyone would man the i think the i'll give you three hundred dollars if you give mass effect oh two out of ten oh okay this is how it works these are the backdoor dealings everyone talks about. yeah these are that's what how being paid off actually works now is there's someone the paying you to thing. give a bad review uh. don't worry i'll take this part out of the podcast no i'm totally <laughs> uh, so thank you again 
And thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.